The 14-week Out of the Cave coaching program is really about using your relationship with food to heal your relationship with yourself on a deeper level. Here's what some of the alumni have to say. It was life-giving. It was vocabulary-giving. It was thought process-giving. It was so much and a lot. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I got out of the whole out of the cave experience was turning, being my own best friend, turning towards myself, um, honoring and listening and speaking (laughs) for myself. I'll have to go like kill myself at the gym. It's just like, let's just move a little bit. Not because I have to, but because it's my body and it's my home and I, it deserves to be loved and taken care of. That's, that's been a big yeah. huge shift for me. <laughs> huge. Just in general, like you were the first person that actually like made me feel seen and like understood. <laughs> Hi there. Welcome back to the Out of the Cave podcast with Lisa Schlossberg. I'm your host, Lisa Schlossberg, a licensed social worker, certified health coach, personal trainer, and yoga instructor. If you, like I have, struggle with your relationship with food, eating, and body image, I am here with this podcast to guide you into healing the relationship you have with yourself through a trauma-informed, holistic, and mind-body-soul approach. Together, we can support you in building a lifestyle of more peace, freedom, safety, and power. Okay, so... Hello. Hello and welcome. We are back. And all right, this is a really special day and a really special situation. So thank you for being here as always. I'm sitting down today with a really, really special human being. And we are going to record a podcast episode right now that is a one of a kind experience. This has not happened before. Hopefully it will happen again. But this episode is going to be decidedly different than every other episode that you have heard before. Because today I am sitting here with my best friend and oldest friend. And this is going to be a little bit more, hmm, I don't want to say more personal. All these interviews are personal. But this is this is going to be different. I'm involved in this one. <laughs> this, is, this is my best friend who is here doing this episode with me. So... Um, before we get into, you know, why we actually wanted to sit down together, how I coerced her into having this conversation with me and sharing it, I wanted to just start by introing that. That is the context of what's happening here today. Uh, so buckle up. This is going to be a fun one. I already know that. And without any further ado, Chris, can you please introduce (laughs) yourself? (laughs) Um, sure. My name is Christina. And Lisa is my oldest friend and my best friend. And everything good and bad that has happened to me is her fault. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's that. Uh, I can already feel my clients nodding their head. Like, that is <laughs> really, really relatable, I'm sure. Like, a lot more context to, to put around that. But that's where I always land when it's good. I'm like, yeah, you did this. And when it's bad, I'm like, I wouldn't be in this if you hadn't done that. (laughs) 
so yeah yeah in the interest of just being like super transparent I I feel like sort of all over the place and like I don't really know where this is gonna go but I'm excited and confused and all right so the context is I mean you and I Chris know this that is we felt inspired to have this conversation because of a specific thing that happened. And we're going to get to that specific thing and what we wanted to really share about it. But before we talk about that, I think it's also important to provide some context around like who you are as a human being so that we can understand to a degree the magnitude and the depth of what occurred that we want to share. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. Totally. So what I was thinking about <laughs> before we sat down to do this <laughs> is how I think most people who are listening to this who are familiar with me and my story know that the early years in my life, I was, let's say, a skeptic. So I didn't believe in anything, quote unquote, spiritual or woo woo, anything that wasn't like measurable in front of right. my face. Evidence it just wasn't real. Right. Evidence based. And you and I shared that. Mm -hmm. And we had that in common. We did. Always. So we would joke like our our running joke for many years was quote unquote when people would say <laughs> God works in mysterious ways. And we would throw that around back and forth to each other for years because it was so <laughs> comical because like haha ha, there's obviously no such thing as a higher power. And right. that that was a thing that people used to tell themselves to make themselves feel better that God works in mysterious ways. And mm -hmm. everything I think even remotely spiritual mm -hmm was like comical to us. Yeah. I mean, not only did we feel this way, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think it's safe to say that we both felt like superior. To I was just going to say so righteous. Right. Because we were so ahead of the game. Like we were like, you guys are so stupid to like, sure. God works in mysterious ways. There isn't like 5 million actual logical reasons for why this happened or why this didn't happen. And you're, you're making it up that this happened or what have you. And I definitely, definitely, definitely up until I want to say what, like, um, three weeks ago, I guess is what it's <laughs> that is like where I was at mentally and emotionally. Right. And woo woo spiritually. Right. <laughs> right. So that's again, important context, I think, to where we're going. Because also, well, here's what I think is so interesting. And I've told you this a million times before that I would say over the last decade or so, right, you and I have stayed close. Mm -hmm. And I've also kind of deviated from that yes. mindset, right? Paradigm, where like, now I'm over here being like, God, does work in mysterious ways <laughs> there's like there is like a whole you know like universe and I've had this ongoing spiritual awakening over you know that just continues to deepen and unfold and you've been with me through all of that I have 
loved you and supported you and believed in you from like an extreme distance <laughs> like just, just and not actually because I'm there with you every step of the way but in my head I'm just like that's her journey that's what she's going through and like that works that's that works for her you know right. like that works for her and for those people and like that's just what's there for them and that's not me but like I I believe in you and support you and yada yada and I I thought that 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 some people are just like that and some people aren't and which is what's so funny because I mean there's a million things that are like quote-unquote so funny about all of this (laughs) but that in particular that that idea that it's like it's a choice or it's a it's a journey it is a journey but but when I say that if it's made available against my will to me (laughs) somebody with my level of, of skepticism at that point, it's like, oh, this is available for everyone. It's just that only certain people are are going to, like, experience it for, for whatever reason, which is, you know, a shock to say the least, but whatever. Obviously, I'm still coming to terms with it. I, I have no idea what's going on, and it's your fault. <laughs> I really see you. I really do, and I really hear you, and I know to a degree that that is true. Yeah. Um, Okay. So yeah. So that I think is just, again, important. Um, is there anything else for you that feels important to kind of acknowledge about yourself, your beliefs, your upbringing, your anything before Mm -hmm. kind of going into the story that we want to tell? One thing for sure is that I've struggled with anxiety and depression in the past. And um, actually, I'll take that back. I have always struggled with it, even since I was a young kid. But I I wouldn't call it that. Like, I didn't have the words for it when I was a kid. Like, that party that we were at when I just, you know. We're not going to get into the details, but what I didn't know then was that I was having a severe panic attack. I thought that there were other culprits for what was going on. Yeah. So, so as early as like childhood, I was, I was exhibiting signs of anxiety and dealing with panic attacks that I couldn't really put a name on until I got to college. And it's been very like episodic. It hasn't been like an everyday panic attack type thing. It's more like a generalized anxiety over a long period of time. And then something happens that I feel like I can't explain, but obviously there's got to be some trigger to what's happening. And I'll have an extreme panic attack where I have physical manifestations that debilitate me for whatever period of time. And so that I think is is important contextually for what for what ends up happening in this story. Um, and what else? Attempted therapy at different times in my life. Like uh, I've attempted therapy at different times of my life. And to some degree, it's been successful in terms of like putting a bandaid in what's happening. It makes me feel a lot better and a lot safer in the moment, but there's no there's never really been like a long-term plan in my life to address 
the anxiety that I feel on a daily basis to, to differing degrees. So that I feel is important to context. And then third, I want to say in my head, I truly, truly believed that I did not need a long-term plan that like, I could just continue to ignore it. And the, the periodic episodes were like something that I was just going to have to deal with lifelong and like really wasn't that bad because it was just every once in a blue moon. And I was just prepared to deal with that for like the rest of my life. So that is the context that's in my mind that I think right now is important to the story. If anything else comes up, obviously we can, we can discuss it, but that's all I got right now. I think that's all really important context too. (laughs) And thank you for sharing that. Um, And I, I also like something that comes to me when I hear you say all of that is that, I mean, again, I'm not going to speak for you, but you can tell me if this doesn't feel true. But I think one of the things that you and I always had in common growing up and the reason that we were so defended against anything spiritual was because we were also defending against everything emotional. Like we were both like, I think both of us were struggling with things like anxiety and depression and had no idea and were in like complete denial and totally dissociated and like just doing a million things to not feel what we're feeling. And and then over the last few years, even if it didn't feel to you like what was happening with me spiritually applied to you, I think emotionally we traveled a really similar path over the last decade of being like, oh, I do have feelings. And and actually, it's not that I, haha, what is anxiety? Never feel anxious. It's that I actually am like so anxious that I have lived in defense against knowing that and feeling that. And, and I think we both traveled like a really parallel kind of path into getting to a point where it's like, these are, these are panic attacks. And like, I live with anxiety versus, you know, again, the way we grew up being like, everything is fucking fine. And like, we're totally cool. Yeah. I was just so checked out that I, I, it's funny. I was just having a conversation with Dan, my boyfriend the other night about, um, some, uh, some thing that I used to do as a kid that was like extremely indicative of, of anxiety And as I'm explaining it to him, I'm like, it's so hilarious that I like thought I was the chillest person on earth. Like (laughs) until, until like my early twenties, I, if you asked me to describe myself, I like, I was just laid back. I never got angry. I never, but I never got like super happy either, but, but I, I never took the time to think about that or investigate that or or wonder if that was how other people were feeling or if it was normal that I was so just disconnected from what was happening and again p- part of me knew that that was happening because I remember feeling superior about it right, <laughs> I remember right. feeling like it was a superpower right and that we both were doing yeah, a hundred percent. And I feel the reason that the reason that you might think that we had similar paths emotionally is because you are one of the very few people that I would that I would explore the idea of having emotions in general with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if there was gonna be somebody that would that would witness me going through that, it would be you. 
but I think in your, in, in every aspect of your life, your career, your school, the new relationships that you were building, all of, all of that stuff was connected to this different path of exploring your spirituality and, and your emotions. And I did not have that like really in any other area of my life other than talking with you and like basically that was it which was why our like it feels like maybe like once a month or once every two weeks we would have like a really long call and it would just be like a word vomit of everything that was going on and it the the physical feeling of relief after the the conversation should have been the first flag of like oh, maybe there is a mind and body connection. But <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it feels so silly saying it now, but it just did not compute. It did not compute until very, very recently and the, and why we're having this podcast. So <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing that. I really hear you. And I know. And again, I think anyone who's listening to this like knows there's how that works to some degree. So, <clears throat> okay. Now, having said all of that, here's the other thing I want to share, though, because I don't know. I know we'll get into like, you know, our experience that we're here to talk about. But so I don't know that this will there's an opportunity for this to come up elsewhere. But I do want to share this for just added context. That is you are saying what you're saying right now, which is like every once in a while we'd have a phone call and like everything would, you know, feel right in the world for a second. And what I want to add is that like it was and always is like 100 million percent mutual. And so the people who are listening to this, you know, I think, yes, I'm transparent and vulnerable and I share myself authentically as much as is accessible to me here and in what I do. But it's like, <laughs> I don't know that anyone sees the side of me that you see at all no nobody else in my life sees the side of me that you see there is there is a christina side which is literally like the most honest and authentic i could possibly be as a human <laughs> is with you and i say that because a just for people to have an idea of like that's who i'm having this conversation with but also because to anyone who's like familiar with this podcast and has listened to the episodes, if we go back to uh, a couple months ago, the episode about drugs and depression and just really talking about honoring like my, the part of me that experiences depression and feels really hopeless and dark and bleak sometimes. And our friendship and the space that is our relationship is truly one of the most like healing and therapeutic things that I have in my life, especially when I'm in that place. And I think we, uh, we always did this for each other before we knew what we were doing for each other, you know, before we it could acknowledge that we had feelings. There was like <laughs> that connection that we were like, <laughs> Yeah. It, we could never even have this conversation, even though it was true. Everything right. that we're saying is so true and always has been. 
which yeah. is why it's so crazy right and why it's like so many times when right. I just see you in the mirror if we're in the bathroom or something and I'm like imagine our little right. you know eight-year-old 12-year-old 17-year-old 22-year-old dumb asses <laughs> would we ever think that this is where we're at right but I'm just so happy yeah. that we are and I hate it so much so many times because of how <laughs> emotionally taxing it is but ultimately I really am just so grateful for it yeah and yeah I hear you it's just the entire thing is so mutual but I think about and I was thinking about this because we had this idea to do this podcast for now like you said like three four weeks and Mm -hmm. in that time (laughs) I just think about like again like the side of me that you get (laughs) where I texted you and I was like I need to call you and Mm -hmm. and for what it's worth like Again, those of you who are listening to this, when we talk about like when you are in the depths, like you need, we need to be connected. We need safe relationships. We need other people. That's something that I would resist for years and years and years. But I feel like when I am in the deepest, darkest places that I have ever been, you are the person that I can reach to. And I do. And then what makes me laugh is when I think about, like, again, in the last couple of weeks, we had this phone call where I texted you because I was like, I like, I'm I'm going to need to talk to you like today. Mm-hmm. I'm little, I need to be talked off the ledge. And, and then we FaceTime and I'm laughing because I think about the version of me that you get. That is you pick up the phone and you're like, what's up? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And I was like, everything is so <laughs> stupid. And you were like, dude, it's the dumbest. And I'm like, every like literally everything is just so dumb. And you're like, it's literally so stupid. And like for like a full minute and a half, we're literally just going back and forth. It's like everything is dumb. Everything is stupid. Everything is stupid. Everything is dumb. And I literally could have like hung up the phone like just then and just been like, that's that's all I needed. Like that is what I needed. And like it just I it I there's a part of me that just like needs people to know when they're like, wow, you know, Lisa really seems to have her shit together. Like, <laughs> I wonder if she ever doesn't have her shit together. All you need to do is, is hit up Christina. <laughs> there's an entire backlog of like, this is the reason, this is the person, this is the reason that it seems like I most of the time have my shit together because <laughs> I have that space when I certainly am, am not. So anyway, it just, again, that feels important to me that you are that person for me. Yeah. That makes me feel so good and happy because I know that you are that for me. And in my mind, I can't imagine that me just sitting there being like, "Mm, you're right. It's like the dumbest. Well, that's also somehow like, well, okay. So will it's funny more in-depth conversations than that, but, but I just feel so because I'm so checked out and I have been for so long, it feels so often. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about or how to articulate what's happening. So the idea that I could help you in any way, shape or form when it comes to like getting in touch with your feelings or, or that's not what it is, I guess. It's just like an expression and getting it off your chest. But the fact that I could help you in any way makes me feel really good and 
useful and maybe I'm a three. <laughs> she also gives me shit all the time about my Enneagram. So anyway, that's another conversation. <laughs> yes. And well, you know what? I think that is something that will probably come back into our conversation later because yeah. it makes all, it actually makes all the sense in the world that quote unquote, all you're doing, what you are to me is safe. Hmm. That's what it is. Because you like, again, if I think about, there are things that you know about me that no one else in the entire world knows about me because I feel safe in how I know how, how much love exists between us. And I know how I have never in my entire life for a single second felt any semblance of judgment from you, which is why it it's everything to have a person that can just say, yeah, I hear you and I'm with you. And it's like, that is the great paradox is like all we really need is to be seen and heard and validated yeah. in our authentic experience, which is the experience that I get from you all the time. So it actually makes all the sense in the world. So thank you for <laughs> receiving that and believing that. Okay. I can believe it because everything you're saying is, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I feel myself. So, so <laughs> that's the context and the introduction. <laughs> now, Perfect. I guess we should, you know, tell the story of why we're here. <laughs> I, think, I think we should just do that. Let's go all the way back to, I love the killers. <laughs> and Christina was my friend growing up when I had a killers poster hanging above my bed in my bedroom. Um, I love the killers. So when I found out that the killers were on tour, I saw them in San Diego with a friend of mine. And then Christina went and saw them in New York. And then we thought maybe later on in their tour, they'll be playing somewhere else that would be like fun for us to travel to together. And we could like make a thing of traveling to see the killers. So then we looked up the tour dates and we saw that the killers were playing a show on my 30th birthday in Houston, Texas. So both of us had the same reaction that was like, we are fucking going. <laughs> so, so we thought anyway. So the details are that we were, we went to Austin, Texas together for a few days. We were living in an Airbnb together for like four days in Austin, which was legitimately the best time of my life and dream. Amazing. And and then we went from Austin, Texas to Houston, Texas on my birthday to go see the killers. So that's what we were doing. We had spent almost a week together, which was like literally our dream. First time we ever did something like this. First time we traveled together. First time we like lived together. Yeah. In like it was years of friendship. Right. Or 25, I guess. But so like the dream. OK, so that's the context of like where we're coming from. Now, the other context is that <laughs> so the show was supposed to be on Saturday, March 25th. <laughs> and Christina and I go out on the town <laughs> in Austin to celebrate my birthday on March 24th. And while we're sitting in a photo booth at a bar, we get an email. 
that the Killers concert has been canceled <laughs> or postponed, Un- technically. Unforeseen circumstances. Due to unforeseen circumstances. So we have both flown from opposite sides of the country for a week <laughs> to celebrate my birthday with the Killers. And now the Killers concert is canceled. Also, just for the added bonus context, we find out days later that I actually had COVID at the time. <laughs> So like <laughs> everything was so great. And anyway, so that's what was happening. It makes so much sense when it's- we think about what happened. Um, right. Not necessarily like the story that we're, I mean, yes, but just throughout the whole week, even that's though it was right. amazing and it was so fun. It was, you know, there was, we like couldn't so figure fun. out why I was like really unwell, <laughs> like why things were not feeling good. Anyway, so that's the context. So we went out Friday night. We woke up. We drove our rental car from Austin to Houston because our flights left from Houston. And lo and behold, there was no killer show to be had. So we got to the hotel, chilled for a little bit. We went out for one final birthday dinner. And then we came back to the hotel because and again, the reason it's validating to me to know that I had COVID at the time was because we kind of, we went out for dinner and you, I mean, you, Chris, you rally. You're like, this is your birthday. We'll do, I'll do anything. Like, you know, just you set the tone, tell me what to do. I'll show up. And I knew that you would. But after dinner, I was like, I literally cannot like take another step. Like I have to go lie down. So we didn't do anything. And then we went back to the hotel. Right. That's all the context. Okay. So what are the details that need to come next for you? One thing definitely contextually, I think, before we get into like what happened is that after the birthday dinner, we partook in. We smoked weed. Yeah, it was totally legal in the jurisdiction that we were in and, you know, purchased from a licensed vendor and what have you. I stopped doing that a few years ago, like maybe four or five years ago. Because I started to have the the panic attacks that I was referencing earlier that I would have physical manifestations with and that would be really bad and debilitating for me would happen after I smoked weed. And I didn't know if it was a totally physical thing or a mental thing at a certain point once I made that connection in my head. It didn't really matter at that point, like whether it was or wasn't just that that was what would happen after I would do it. And so much of the way that I operate is that like, I will just avoid it instead of like trying to figure out a way to get through it or get over it or whatever, I will just avoid it. So I did for many years and then obviously we're out. It's her 30th birthday. I'm not going to not do it. And, and we'd done a little bit the night before and I, it ended up being fine anyway. So that night I, I think I obviously had a little bit more than I'd had the night before. And when we get up to the hotel room, I can feel myself start to have some of the symptoms that I recognize are going to result in this like huge panic attack. And once that starts happening to me, my mind just starts racing with a million things. For example, (laughs) I start cataloging all of the things that are happening to me physically and how I know that they're going to get worse. 
which so is what, are, what are some of those things? I have shortness of breath. My vision tunnels. I get a feeling of like pins and needles in my hands and my feet and they start to go up my arms and my legs and they sort of everything feels like it's tunneling is the best way I can explain it like even my breath is compressed into this like little ball in the center of my body and the the pins and needles go up and uh, I get hot but I'm also like having chilly sweats and I just it truly feels like you're dying and at this stage in my life I know that I'm not because I've had them so many times but it's not so much the fear that I'm going to die, which is interesting. The overwhelming fear in that instance was like, I'm going to ruin Lisa's birthday, which is hilarious on so many levels. One, because of what we've already established that you would never judge me for anything. So all of this is internally and on me. Like it has nothing to do with you. It, it's my own, it's my own shit around having shame with anxiety. B, you are literally fighting for your life from COVID. Like you cannot be less aware. If I had just shut the shut up and just gone to sleep, you would have had no idea what was going on, Amaya. And you were so preoccupied with what was happening physically with you. Just goes to show that like so, so much of the stuff that you catastrophize in your head is not necessarily reality. How long, if you have any perception of time, yeah. Were you noticing that you were having these things start before you said something about it? How it long was that? Eternity. It felt so long. But let's see. I mean, I remember us walking around the the hotel room like you were getting ready for bed. And I'm just like aimlessly folding and unfolding and refolding and unfolding and refolding this shirt like trying with like a kung fu grip to keep my shit together and it's just unraveling (laughs) and you're asking me questions you were asking me something and I could not form a coherent thought to like respond to you I I was just my I was just debilitated is the word like I was just like a she's gonna like think I don't know what you're going to think, but it's going to be bad, right? Like you've never seen, I'm nobody's ever seen me in this state before other than like strangers in the Manhattan subway. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. so the number one thing going through my mind is like, I'm about to ruin her 30th birthday. I'm about to be that person that like can't handle themselves. I'm going to need babysitting. And then if I, even if I'm not thinking about you and just thinking about me, I'm going to be physically miserable. I'm going to be in my own head for hours. And like, who knows how long this is going to last because there's been times that it's lasted the entire night and it's been misery. And then, and then the last thing is like, how do I keep this under wraps? Like, (laughs) which is again, so hilarious because I'm slowly curling into the fetal position. Like, can't breathe onto the bed and I'm like maybe if I just stay super still and I don't make a sound she won't catch what's happening and it'll be fine right that's just the recurring theme of my life is like maybe if I ignore it for long enough it will just be fine and it'll go right which I think is also like really important context that is because also what you're saying is your relationship to your anxiety was that 
like you said before, it was like, I'll just keep riding it out. And this is something I'm going to have to live with. And like, that's it. Like, this is just, and it was yeah. avoiding kind of put the bandaid on and then move on. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so all of that's important. And then just contextually, again, to like set the scene, our hotel room had two queen beds. Mm-hmm. So part of the reason it's funny. Cause I'm like, if I were listening to the story, it's kind of like, how was I so oblivious that you were literally, cause I know once you pointed it out, I was like, you have been standing there folding that shirt for a while. Like yeah. what? But I was again, horizontal in a bed, like barely awake yeah. uh, to begin with. So, so that's what it was. And then, I and then you even had your eye mask on, like covering your eyes. Like <laughs> it was like dead time. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. There was no reason for you to and I obviously wasn't being very forthcoming about it. Right. Obviously, there came a point where physically I could not hide it anymore. But if I'm standing there folding and unfolding a t-shirt, it just looks like I'm being an idiot. It doesn't <laughs> look like I'm, you know, going through something insane. Right. Yeah. So that's the scene is like, I'm horizontal in one of the beds. You crawl into the other bed. I and literally then, crawl in. Like, yes. Shaking. So then what, what happens inside of you? before you share with me um again my mind is still racing like a million thoughts a minute but what ends up recurring the most is like you are so miserable right now and if if for some reason you die you're like lisa will be pissed if you don't explain what's happening (laughs) she wakes up and this is what happens again cognitively like I know that's not going to happen I know I'm not dying but anxiety is it's real but it's not you know the thoughts are not reality but it feels like it really truly is and so I was like this could be the one time you know I know nobody's ever died from this before but you could be the first and Lisa will be pissed if you don't at least bring it to her attention so that's number one and then number two is like I knew somewhere in my head that the like shame of going through it and the embarrassment about going through it was part of the reason that it was feeling so incredibly torturous. I was like, I know that I will feel better after I share this with her. And again, the context of who I was with is so important because if if this happened with anybody else, I don't know that that would have been true. I don't know that sharing what I was going through would have made me feel that way. And I think because I knew, I knew that I was safe with you and I knew that I could tell you this thing and it wasn't going to like completely shatter your view of me as a person, which was the ultimate fear, but it was just a fear. I I, I was able in the haze to like somehow figure out that it was just the fear and it wasn't actually reality. And I knew that once I told you, it was going to be at least that little bit better. So I did. I was, I don't even really remember how I told you. Do you? I was going to say, do you remember what you said? I think I was like, I tried to minimize it as I always do. For sure. And I think I was like, I, um, I'm having a bad reaction, Lisa. I'm having a bad reaction to whatever it is that we did. And you were like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, (laughs) and I think. I think I told you that I was starting to feel panicky, which is like the phrase that I use when what I really mean is I'm having an extreme panic attack. I'm like, I'm just feeling a little panicky. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
I'm just feeling a little uncomfy, you know? And I think I also was like, oh, another another thing I is I've been prescribed Xanax before. And like that is usually helpful to me. And if I'm having a huge, I, I don't really like to take anything if I don't have to. Not that there's anything wrong with taking it if you need to. That again is my own ish. So anybody listening, take your medicine. Um, but so, so in my head, that's, it's always sort of like a, like a backup plan too. That makes me feel a little bit better. It's like, if it gets so horrible, I'll just take a Xanax and like, hopefully it'll just knock me out and I'll go to sleep, which was going to be my plan. But when we packed, I guess I just like, hadn't really paid that much attention. And I also haven't had a panic attack in so long that when I, when I packed what I packed, I was like, oh, I think I thought this was Xanax, but it's not. It's like some leftover Lexapro that I got prescribed to me when I was 17 or something. And so then once that set in that I didn't have that fail safe option, it was like, it was just like inundation of catastrophic thoughts, basically. And I knew it was going to get really bad. So when that happened, I was like, you need to just, you need to just tell her (laughs) and you'll feel better. And so I did. I told you what I was feeling. Do you remember what you said once I told you that I was having yeah panic attack yeah what was it I said what are you feeling right and that's when you said pins and needles that was your answer because I I I actually think like just to go back for a second and maybe I'm not right about this but I almost think the way that you told me was by saying I want to tell you something that I'm afraid to tell you yeah and I was like, okay, like, thank you for sharing. And I hear you. And that, that I think is how it started was like, before you said anything, it was like, I'm afraid to tell you, but I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Something that I think happens when I have my panic attacks is I feel so vulnerable physically and mentally that it's like, every defense mechanism that I might have, even with my oldest and closest friend is gone. So it makes a lot of sense to me that, and not only makes sense, I do remember exactly saying that. And it also makes sense to me that now three or four weeks later, retelling the story, I have like conveniently forgotten to include that in the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Um, you were, you were just so in it. I was so I was going through it. Yeah. So, yeah. So you share that you are feeling panicky. Yeah. And I, I remember saying to you, what are you feeling? Like physically in your body, what are you feeling? And that's when you said pins and needles. Mm -hmm. And what I remember is that I then said or invited you to breathe into the sensation of pins and needles and and just kind of from a place of like what would it be like for you to just breathe right into what you're physically experiencing and I remember watching you close your eyes Mm -hmm. because usually because and this is what was interesting about it for me was like when I'm doing this in like a coaching capacity Mm -hmm. I will say things like you don't have to, but if you want to, we can practice breathing into it. Or like, I invite you to close your eyes for this, or there's some, like, we're going to start this practice together. We're going to like 
with consent dive in and with you it just it just had like it we just we were just there like it was just happening that you said pins and needles and the next thing out of my mouth was like I think I knew how much safety was there for us that it was like okay what if you breathe into them and then I watched you close your eyes and Mm -hmm. then what happened for you I, I remember what really jumps out at me is, and I said this then, and I'm going to say it again, reiterating it now feels so like, duh, like, yeah, basic. But in the moment when you said to me, like, I know it's really scary and like, it's okay that it's going to be scary and like, we're just going to breathe through it. And then at the end of it, it's going to be over. And that is so like, yeah, obvious, duh. But I can't tell you how in the moment when you're going through it and I've, I've never, I've never gone through it with somebody else. I've always been by myself when I'm breathing myself through this panic attack. So to hear you say that was just, it started to feel like it was like unlocking something. Um, And you asked me to sort of detail all of the physical sensations I was having, which ended up being really helpful the more that I thought about it and, you know, actually physically pinpointed where on my body I was feeling the sensation and then focused on that and then breathe through it and let it go through my whole body instead of like, I mean, what I would typically do is just try to like, I, I could feel my muscles, you know, basically without my consent, just contracting and trying to hold it all in and trying to stop myself from going over this like, quote unquote, edge, whatever that is. It it, it was just this overwhelming feeling of dread that if I don't like keep this on lockdown, it's going to somehow get worse. And in that moment, I had the safety and I had you sitting there telling me laying there actually we were both lying (laughs) telling me just let it happen and like we will both be here at the end of it and it sounds like things that I've heard you say a million times but I've always been like that's her and that's her journey and that's cool for her and then against my will it feels like I went through this thing in your presence and I just listened to what you were saying for once (laughs) and it ended up it ended up working it's so crazy (laughs) well I think in so many ways there's like a million things I could say but I think you are illustrating what it means for so many people who quote-unquote know it you know it in your head you know it in your head you know it in your head but if we don't have the experience of actually embodying it it you can only like you can know it and you can believe it and you can understand it and you can conceptualize it and analyze it and all of those things but that's why this moment I think was so big was because it was the first time you moved through it your body moved through it and that's that's part of what I remember was just lying there and literally just guiding you to breathe inhale and exhale and I say things to you I was saying things to you that I say to myself that are like if you are breathing you are surviving like 
this is really, really uncomfortable, but it's not unsafe. You feel like you're going to die and that's really valid. And also you're surviving and like literally just ride your breath. And, and I think what you experience and you tell me, but something I share a lot with like my clients when we're moving through this is the energetic, the lifespan, the energetic lifespan of an emotion is about 90 seconds. And that's another thing that I was telling you at the time was that all these physical sensations that you, how your anxiety is manifesting, it's energy, it's, it's energy in the body. And so the best thing that we can do is just breathe, let it move, let it flow. And then it moves and it really like releases you. And yeah. it felt like that's what I was witnessing. Like, that's what I was watching was that like, it took about a minute and a half for you to like actually settle back and ground down and like open your eyes again and be like, oh my God, I'm alive. Right. And yeah. And it happened in waves. And, yeah. and the, the reason is I, well, not the reason like period, end of story, but one of the contributing factors, I think for me that it was recurring it it always recurs for me or it always has in the past but there's never really like a feeling of relief in between the waves it's just like really really bad to sort of like manageable bad to really really bad to manageable bad but this was feelings of like relief in between the waves and I think what got me back into it every time was negative negative thinking about the situation that I wasn't sharing with you and then once I shared it with you, it was released from me. Like literally, again, it sounds yeah. so like, duh, you were, you talk about how you're feeling and then you feel better about it. <laughs> but, you know, in the moment it was just, you know, I have so much of my own shame wrapped around in it. So like, first it was, oh, I'm ruining your birthday. And then it was like, oh, she feels sick and she's trying to go to sleep. And now she has to stay awake and like babysit me through this thing. And like whatever negative thing I could come up with in my head, I would let it roommate in there. It would get me all riled up. I would express it to you. And then you would just talk me back down. And I remember I, I said this to you then. And I remember feeling it then. And I so clearly I was like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to feel so embarrassed about how this went down. And I'm going to feel so silly that I thought I was having this huge spiritual moment when really I just got like a little too high. <laughs> and that's what I really thought was going to happen because I am and always have been so skeptical. And I told you this, then I woke up the next morning and it was the complete opposite. It, it felt like, it truly felt like a before and after moment, you yeah. know, you have those moments throughout your life Yeah, where it's like, this is before that happened. And this is my life after that happened. And that's what it felt like. And it feels like I don't have the words to articulate how big it was besides just explaining what happened, which again, sounds really simple, you know, like I was just having a bad time and you talked me through it. Yeah. But it was so much more than that. A hundred percent. And I think part of the reason that I appreciate this whole thing so much and it feels like there's so much depth to it and it is so profound is because every – I think – and this is what – okay. In the work that I do, which like you know from being my friend, I am 
always talking about, or I feel like I'm always talking about how like the answers are right in front of us, which is exactly this. It's like, feel your feelings, embody your authenticity, safe relationships, use your breath, stay in your body. Like it's like all the things it's like, and it's not, here's what to do. Here's what the plan looks like. It's like literally breathe, like literally breathe. And, and it's so almost frustratingly simple that I think very often in this kind of work, people are like, okay, but like breathe and then what it, you know, it's like, but what, what's the real thing that I need to do? And that's why this feels so important to like break down like second by second, because that's actually everything, which is be exactly where you are, stay in your body. It's about acceptance rather than resistance. It's about knowing that you are uncomfortable, not unsafe. It's it's just like, it's everything that this work is about was like boiled down to that like minute. Yeah. And I remember the next morning because the, the night of, I was like, you're going to wake up tomorrow and this is going to be like, whatever. You well, just- also before we even get to the next morning, I think it's important that so that happened. It went in a few waves. Like I remember specifically when you were like, okay, it's starting again. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's do it again. Like, and we just like rode the wave like a few times. And, and then once everything was kind of said and done, you was- were like, abs- at least what it seemed like to me, like absolutely mind blown. Like, I was- were- unbelievably shocked about how much relief there was how much hope there was how I'm shaken to my core if I'm being totally honest with yeah you. yeah so much of my identity is wrapped up in not necessarily superiority or anything like that but but this idea that like I'm so in control of my emotions that I don't even have to deal with the petty things that like everybody else has to deal with on the day-to-day and like la la granola energies whatever what have you like that's not that is not my gig that's not I don't deal in that and it's so easy for me to write things off and I had written this thing off as like that's not for me because it doesn't even really exist (laughs) and I've never I've never been so grateful and so miserable at the same time. Like I I was, I hate going through these panic attacks. They're horrible for me. But I, but in the moment I was like, something is happening to you that is going to make your life better. Because the way that you feel about yourself as your friend is walking you through this, e- even though I was incredibly vulnerable and like in the fetal position, I simultaneously felt so empowered. And like for the first time felt like there is a possibility that I have a life where I don't have these panic attacks all the time or not even all the time, you know, once every quarter or once every six months, or there's a possibility that the next time I go through it by myself, it won't be as bad because I'll remember this experience and I'll figure out a way to utilize it on my own. I was trying to explain this to I've tried to explain this to like a lot of people in my life personally since and it's been a real struggle because other people also 
know me as I know myself to be a skeptic and like it's very strange for them to hear me talk about anything emotional let alone what feels like this ginormous breakthrough and like I have all these insecurities about how I'm explaining it because I I I I feel like I don't know how to express basic emotion in the moment. So how the, how the hell am I supposed to explain to these people how I feel like I had an emotional awakening to this? It it felt like a network, like a whole other universe, a whole other, it just, it just, it was just this new plane that like, I've never, I, I just remember saying to you, I was like, you gotta write your book, you dumb bitch. You need to make this accessible to more people. Yeah. And there's so there's so many things that I remember about the things that you said cuz so that's what it was was like I was kind of like then. I was in a euphoric phase. Yeah. I was just anything that was coming to my mind, it was all true and I all it, I meant all of it, but I was just I was just exploding with gratitude in that moment. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was like watching you. It felt like watching you like run through the finish line of a marathon. Like you were like I just fucking did that. Like, yeah. and, and that's, that was the other thing that was so cool to witness was like the empowerment that came with all the hope and relief and all the things. And it was, what was one of the things that was funny to me was like, when you were saying, okay, what I remember you saying, there were so many things I remember you saying, in addition to write your book, you dumb bitch, what are you doing? <laughs> um, was when I, so part of what I remember also was in between the waves of anxiety that we rode together was I was explaining brain science to you. Yeah. Right. And I was, I was literally just kind of giving you mini lessons about how the mind body system works, what anxiety is and why it's really appropriate and why we're just gonna, we're just gonna, let it be. We're just going to let it move and we're just going to be with it. It's all energy. It's all safe. And I remember that being really helpful as well to just have like an understanding of like what was actually going on. But I remember one thing that makes me laugh was when you, when you talk about like you're in, you know, you're waking up in another universe. And I remember being like, it's out of the cave. Like that's, (laughs) that's what it is. And, and I was like, like, and you were trying so hard to put words on it. But like, literally, I just remember you being like, you've known all <laughs> along what you were doing. You knew you've always known what you were doing. And and I always believed in you. You told me a hundred times. I Listen, I've always believed in you. I always knew that you were doing like some real shit. I knew it. I believed in you. But you like really knew what you were doing this whole time. The whole time. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, it's called out of the cave, like for a reason. And that was one of my kind of favorite parts about it. The amount of times you were like, I always believed in you. But now, (laughs) oh my God, I have an understanding of like what you actually do. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to put it aside from just like, a feeling like there's there's a whole other level to life that I now like maybe have access to. Mm-hmm. 
And like the idea that that's even possible is mind blowing. A, B, my best friend is like the gatekeeper to it for me. What the hell? C, I'm doing it honestly, what feels like against my will. I was, <laughs> I was having like a really bad time. I was not prepared to have, I was going on a 30th birthday trip to see the killers. I was not prepared to have an emotional, spiritual awakening. And yet I am here and it is your fault. <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm so, so grateful for it. Yeah. It feels like I have I have another thing that I think contextually is important to say is that I've known part of part of what I feel is like a part of my personality at this point is like I'm really good at identifying my problems or criticizing myself or or finding out the ways in which I lack and then not doing anything about it because it's like okay, I can I can deal with it. And the way that this like lit a fire under my ass to do something about it because I felt and experienced in real time that I can. It was it was almost like before it was like, whatever, it could work, it couldn't. You keep telling me to breathe. Okay, cool. Like whatever, meditate. I'm thinking about 18 million things. It's not even working. Why am I putting in all this effort for something that's not really changing my life? And then I had this moment where all of the things that I've heard a million times already, I actually, I've, I felt them, I experienced them. And it just, it, it feels like somebody was like snapping their fingers in front of my face. And like, I have this sense of like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you try to make your life so much better when you have all these tools? that you didn't know were available to you before. And now they are like, you're, you're just, you're doing a disservice to yourself, which it didn't feel that way before, before it was like, it's my life. And I can live with the fact that it's lacking in this area and in this area. And now it's like, I don't have to. And it's fucking bizarre. And it's inconvenient as hell. And it's your fault. And I'm so happy that it happened. And I want to thank the killers because if they played <laughs> that night, it wouldn't have happened. I know, like literally. And I said this from like that night. I was just like, God had other, God works in mysterious <laughs> ways. And like, literally we were never supposed to go to that concert. And this was exactly how it was supposed to unfold. But Dude. so like having said all that, that's why while you were processing it that night and you kept saying like, you can't articulate how life-changing this experience was that's why you were like I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and be like oh I was just being dramatic because you were like everything is different like ev my life will forever be changed by this and yeah. then you were like I'm probably just like hyping it up too much and then yeah. I remember the next <laughs> I remember the next morning because I woke up take my heavy duty face mask off my face and <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to be like sleeping or like whatever. I there was part of me that thought maybe you were going to be in like a little bit of a vulnerability hangover, mm -hmm. just like I don't know, you know, st maybe still in the fetal position. Like it could. Yeah. There's a lot of ways it could have gone, but I remember like taking my mask off and seeing like, like the room was clean. You packed your bag. You probably like made your bed. Like you were, and I remember being like, 
how are you? And you were like, this is the best day of my life. This is the best day of my life. And I was like, what? Like, what's up? And you were like, I am a new, I am born again. I am new. I am a new, like, lit-. and you were just like, yeah, no, was not, was not being dramatic, was not hyping it up too much, was not just a little high. Like, this was life changing. And then like continued for the rest of the morning to try to put words to how different it felt to be a human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just remember like exactly this. I remember starting a sentence, pausing, searching my brain for a way to, I don't know, like thank you or explain it to you or explain it to myself or whatever. And then just like coming up short and being like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like, it's just different. Like something big happened and it still feels that way. It still feels like no words that I can put on it are like adequately describing what I went through and what I experienced. And unfortunately, it feels like one of those things that like you would have to just go through it yourself because, you know, as much as that is what happened broken down, like I was experiencing these physical manifestations, you talked me through it and then we we worked through it together and then eventually those physical manifestations went away. Yeah, that is like A to B what happened. But what happened in my mind and internally and how I felt, not just in the moment, but just about my future and my past and like, the world in general and like if it's available to me it must be available to everyone and like how different could everything be if everybody practiced this all the time it's just it's just it's just a worldview shift like my world just changed right and there's no other way to describe it and you know it was it was a good trip it's good Well, I think that's, again, the point is like, this was a spiritual awakening. Yeah. And sometimes that's the only way to describe what can't be described, literally. And it was nothing short of that. I want to put words to it because that is my... Right. I remember when you were, when you were, um, when you brought up earlier about how the night that it was happening, you were giving me a little bit of like brain science lessons. I remember that as you said, being really helpful to me in the moment because my brain can grasp that. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense that like, it's our caveman brain thinking that we are in literal danger from a predator or whatever. So we're experiencing this insane like flow of adrenaline or whatever it is. Um, It makes sense that my body is having such an extreme reaction to literally nothing and I feel so silly for having that reaction, but it makes sense that it's some like, you know, caveman yeah. thing. So stuff like that, that I can like think about logically and grasp onto are really helpful for me in the moment. Cause that's just how I am, but it does not paint the whole picture of what happened because right. I can't, I can't assign like logic to everything that happened. Right. And that's, I mean, I think for me. I think that's a cool thing that I think part of the reason that I was sharing that stuff is because again, I I know you really well and I know where we're similar and I had a feeling that that would be helpful. 
But also the way that I interpret some of what you're saying is like, when I think about the way the brain operates, and it's like, we have like the right brain and the left brain. It's like, if we get really imbalanced in either one, we, we feel that. And so it's kind of like, you were in like a very kind of quote unquote, right brain experience of like feeling and intuition and like energy. And then I was just offering a little bit of like the nuts and bolts and data of what's going on. So your left brain could be like online and Mm -hmm. just feeling a little bit more balanced and grounded and in that. Um, But yeah, I hear you. It, and it all makes sense. And that's, again, I just love that you are open to sharing this because ultimately when I do work with people, it's always coming from the intention of like, when I say to people now, like, I don't help you heal your relationship with food and eating. I help you heal the relationship you have with yourself so that food and eating can feel a little bit more safe and stable. And this is exactly what I'm talking about is like at the root of it, the people who are here listening to this resonating with stories like this, a lot of this community is talking about struggling with emotional eating. And the reason that we struggle with things like emotional eating and mindless eating and overeating and any kind of eating or not eating is because it doesn't feel safe for us to feel what we're feeling. It feels safer to eat the feelings. It feels safer to starve the feelings or calculate the feelings or whatever, but it doesn't feel safe to actually feel them. And so at the root of all of what I do and I'm here to help people with, it feels like this is the embodiment of that, is that if we wanna stop eating our feelings or smoking or drinking or shopping or scrolling or whatever to cope with our feelings, this is what's underneath all of it, is to say, it's gonna be uncomfortable and also it's not gonna kill you. And if you can do this exact practice of stay with your breath, stay with your pins and needles, stay with your anxiety, stay with your beating heart, stay, if you can just stay with it, you come out the other side with the peace and the freedom and the hope and the safety that we are seeking from avoidance, Seeking from dissociation, seeking from disconnection, seeking from avoidance, seeking from food and eating and scrolling and shopping and all the things. The peace and freedom and safety and power that we desire comes from exactly this. That is Mm -hmm. being exactly where you are and breathing into it and allowing it and accepting it. And then it releases you. And so it's just when people say, where do I start? What do I do? What does it mean? It's it's that. It's like, what are you feeling emotionally? Where are you feeling it in your body? Can you breathe into it and allow it and know that you are uncomfortable, but you're not unsafe? And you just hang out there for about a minute while you feel like you're going to literally fucking die, knowing that you're literally not. And then you feel all of the things that you actually want to feel. And that's what I remember brought me to tears about when you were sharing with me that it feels almost like a, like a new lease on life. Like Mm -hmm. I had never heard you (laughs) of all people (laughs) talk about feeling so hopeful for the future and so inspired and moved and motivated and ignited like you just literally like you woke up the next day like a different person 
enlightened yeah. is like oh like it feels like an obnoxious word but like literally that's that's what it felt like feels like that is what it feels like and like full transparency I was obviously emotional would be a word to put on it just in general there were obviously a lot of emotions flowing but what I mean when I say that is that I was also tearing up which is not something that I do ever really because as we've mentioned I don't like to have emotions or or express them in any way um and I think I've already said this but but the the way that I felt afterwards and the way that I think a lot of people would feel afterwards if they were to practice this is not necessarily just relief like oh it's over because it's always eventually over I've had you know maybe 20 panic attacks in my life and all of them have been quote-unquote over and I haven't died and it's whatever it's this feeling that I know that I'm probably going to have one again and yet I'm not so terrified of it the way that I was before it still might be miserable and I still might have all of the same symptoms that I had before but I just feel so equipped in a way that I wasn't before and the fact that it's even possible to feel this way now makes me feel like the more that I work at it I could feel that again or I could feel what I'm feeling now but amplified it's it's just a feeling of like who who knows like it's it, it feels like what's available to me right now is limitless and that's invaluable and and of course that would make anyone even me the most frigid person on the planet like so emotional so i was just gratitude like isn't the word there are no words it, it was just you just got to experience it guys <laughs> just just go do a little bit too much of something go go have no what's funny actually what i what i was going to say about like trying to explain it to people the next morning and we can still focus on what actually happened that night but I just wanted to say when I was trying to think of ways to explain it to people and how I didn't think I was going to be able to do it adequately I was talking about this with my therapist the week after it happened and I was saying the same thing to her that it feels so basic it feels like duh like breathe through it and you'll be okay like like I've heard all this before and she said something that made a lot of sense to me. She was like, "You, what you experienced was rare in the sense that we had such an intimate moment because I was so, because that's the most vulnerable I ever have been in my life is when I'm having a panic attack and I've never done it in front of somebody else. Or, you know, I've, I've had a panic attack in front of strangers before, but I mean, it's never been so concentrated that I'm I'm worried about what the person's perception of me is going to be afterwards or I'm worried about how it's going to affect them we had this moment where I was so incredibly vulnerable and you were such a safe space and I don't know that other people typically that that happens typically for anybody 
So I just felt really lucky that that happened to me. And my therapist reminded me that I'm really lucky that that happened to me and that we, we just, we shared something that was, it, it, it seemed silly to her that I felt that it was basic because to her, it was basic that that would be life-changing for me. <laughs> for sure. Yes. So, so that felt validating in a sense. Yeah. And also she's just like obsessed with you now. I, I haven't mentioned that yet, but every <laughs> time I bring you up and I tell her something that you told me or like something that happened, she's like this, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know it's crazy. She really does. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I hear you all all the way around with all of that. And I think that's the other really important piece about this entire experience is that, you know, again, in this community, what it usually looks like is that there is so much shame, mm. so much embarrassment, and so much fear yeah, of being seen in truth seen in binging on food fear embarrassment shame around weight that we're carrying around eating habits of all kinds around the way that we think about our bodies around like the and and so again part of the reason that I just appreciate this so much is because what you're explaining is the the invaluable and What's a word for like, like you can't, like you can't find it anywhere else. It's like the only thing that can offer the therapeutic experience of being seen by another human in your authenticity. Like there's, there's nothing that can replace that. There's nothing that can be put in that place. Like there is nothing as healing as being seen in your authentic vulnerable experience by another human that is safe and not judging right and I think so much of what I do is just be that presence like that's and I know that that's a big thing to do but that's why for me it's like that's all I'm doing all I'm doing is saying I see you and I hear you and you're not bad and you're not doing anything wrong and you are equally worthy of love exactly as you are. And I think you're just illustrating again that the the big hump of getting through, not getting over, but getting through the shame and the embarrassment and the fear to be seen and what that, how that in itself is so absolutely abundantly life-changing. Yeah. And like, it's almost like nothing else even needs to happen. Like you don't need to have a panic attack to like have an incredibly healing experience. It's like the just the moment that you said, I'm really scared to tell you something, but I'm going to tell you. That was the doorway. And mm -hmm. everyone who's listening to this has some version of that. That is, mm -hmm. this is a part of me that I don't want to show you. This is a part of me I'm afraid you'll judge. This is a part of me that I am afraid is not worthy of love. And then walking through that door and having another person just say, yeah, I see you and I'm with you and nothing about this needs to be different is like, like that's the exhale that we want. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I was thinking it was funny the way that you started this 
with the introductions that um, I would be the person that you call when you just want to be seen and heard and not judged. Exactly. And you have always been that way for me too, but I guess I just, I've never, I'd never been cornered in that way to have to be in my truly most more vulnerable state. I and think, yeah. I'm, I, I'm so happy that it happened because the way that I am, I don't think I would have ever done that by choice. You right. know what I mean? Right. If I, if I, I don't think I would have, I mean, I think I've told you that I've had panic attacks before, but I would obviously never choose to have a panic attack if I could get away with not having one, or at least that was true before, but that's the craziest thing too, is part of me is like, maybe one should come on. I would like to see how I could handle it on my own. That's how, that is how life-changing it was. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I just feel really lucky that it was with you of all people that this could happen with me too yeah (laughs) I remember I remember being like I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that for your 30th birthday and you were like are you kidding this is like (laughs) this is not only what I do but also the fact that you would do it I remember saying to you and wholeheartedly meaning when I said, there is legitimately nothing else I would rather be doing. (laughs) Like, I would rather be doing this than seeing the killers live right now. So you don't have to worry about anything. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. It was. It was. It was. was. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So. I mean, again, there's like, there's so many things that I want to like say, and I could just like really beat a dead horse about all everything. That's that, that's the story that we wanted to share. And so anyway, so then the next morning when it was the best day of your life, I just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right, right, right. I remember you saying that. I, I always think I'm being dramatic because I think having literally any emotion is dramatic. I'm like, you're. (laughs) you're just going to forget about this when you're over it. And it's like, no, you're just going to like disconnect from it at a certain point. So the the more I just like really thought about what happened and tried to put words to it. And when I got home and I tried to explain it to Dan and I was so worried that he was going to not get it or not see me or it wasn't going to be as big. And then when I explained it to him, he was just like right there with me mentally it just felt again so validating and like I even got emotional then which was crazy but I was just like wow not only can I experience this with my amazing and brilliant best friend but other people might get it too if I like actually take the time to just explain to them what happened in my disjointed and inarticulate way yeah It's just, it really is like every step that I take in this, what feels like a journey, like the the more that I explore it, I just keep getting hit with like, it just feels like it's getting bigger and better every time. Yeah. And I also am aware that it's possible that at a certain point, it won't feel that way. 
Like I might feel like I've plateaued or I'm, there might be some kind of block or something. But if I can hold on to this feeling or remember it or come back to it, it just, it, it literally feels like a tool that I have in my tool belt to just pull out when I want to. It is. It makes me feel powerful. That's. I want, I want it for everybody. Right. 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 And that's, that's really what brought us here was we uh, like the next day, I remember being like, you know, it was, it was so profound and so healing and eye-opening and enlightening and all of those things for you. You kept going on about how I need to write my fucking book already so that <laughs> this is available to the masses and things yeah. like that. And yeah. that's why I was like, well, I do have this platform that's a podcast so we could <laughs> we could do that and and that really was what inspired us to have this conversation was just it felt like a really important thing to share because I think again and this is what we were saying that day that is you are someone who in the life that you lead and the work that you do it is very let's say left brain yeah and, and you're just, you're in that place a lot of the time. It's not like me, like this is the work that I do. Right. So it's really different, but I think there was that added kind of motivation and inspiration to talk about this and share the story was because it kind of, I was watching the way that it hit you that there is no us versus them. Mm -hmm. It's not only accessible to certain people. This is here now in me with me. If I can do this, everyone can do this. If I could experience this, anyone could experience this. Like that's kind of where you were the next day. It was just like, people need to know. Yeah. And I was like, do you want to do a podcast episode? Because I agree with you that this is the most important work in the world. And like, everyone <laughs> needs to know about it. But again, it's not like, like you, okay. What I'm trying to say too, is that you are not someone who would ever be my client. You are not someone who would end up in my coaching program. You are not someone who would really probably listen to a lot of this podcast. Like you, like that. none of this is like in your world or right. on your radar. And I think that's the thing that feels really important is like, if, if is, is just that, that is like, actually yeah. this whole mind, body, soul thing is actually like a human thing. Yeah. And it's funny because that that's was my maybe not insecurity but like my hesitation with doing the podcast was like how on earth could I say anything useful to anyone about this wheelhouse? I I don't live here. Like I right. don't I don't know what the hell I'm talking about all I can really say is that something incredible happened to me and that's not helpful but at the same time you're right if, if you know I'm I'm really so 100% being honest if I can experience this anyone on this planet can experience this truly amen <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And just write your fucking book already. <laughs> Working on it, I swear to God. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Well, I like you and I could literally be here forever and ever and ever. Um, thank you for sharing. Seriously. Thank you for being willing and brave to show up and tell your story. I'm curious if there's anything that you haven't already voiced that just feels important that you want to note before we wrap. Anything you want the people to know? There's so much I want the people to know. I don't know if it's like relevant to what we're talking about, but. In the context of this conversation. In the context before of this. Before this conversation's over, is there anything that you want the people to know? Well, I want to preface it by saying that anything I say, I'm sure you've heard a million times if you're listening to this podcast already, but take it from somebody who like really doesn't want to do the thing that I'm about to tell you, you should do be vulnerable and trust that like you will get yourself there. You, if you're listening to this, there's a very good chance that you have the capacity to handle whatever it is that you think you can't handle. What I want to be seen and heard is that I love you a lot. You're one of the most important people in my life. And you were before this happened. Um, I'm so incredibly grateful to you. I'm so thankful for the friendship that we have. I'm so weirded out that it feels so natural to say all of these things to you. But I'm not because we've been saying them for years, but uh, but I'm just sort of starting to realize like the the way that I make myself available to my emotions for you is something that I can start applying to the rest of my life. And I think that I will actually end up being a lot happier if I do. And like in the, in an effort to like avoid pain and discomfort, I have stopped myself from doing that. And I let myself do it with you because I know that it's safe. And why would I do that to myself? You know, like, of course, there's a possibility that I'm going to try this with somebody who's not safe or in an environment that's not safe. Or it's not I'm not going to have the same experience that I had with you, obviously, because it was so huge. It doesn't happen all the time. Otherwise, it wouldn't feel that way. But I don't know, I can't imagine anything being so bad that it's worth not opening yourself up to experiencing what I experienced, you know? I experienced something with you that you walked me through that makes me feel not just more powerful, but more brave. Because even if I don't feel powerful, I still want to do it. And that's where the bravery comes in. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't have to know that I'm going to never have a panic attack again. And I don't have to know that it's not going to be miserable and I'm not going to go through the waves all night or or whatever. I don't have to know any of that stuff. I just have to know that I am capable of reminding myself that I am in my body and I can breathe through what's happening. And I can take physical account of what's happening and I can bring myself back down to actual reality and not what anxiety is telling my brain is reality 
And anyway, I just feel, I just feel like a whole new woman, man. I don't know. That's, I'm signing off. Thank you. <laughs> it is all so beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. And I, I am equally, I love you and I am hugely grateful for you and all that we have here. And I was thinking about the the one thing that I was forgetting to say earlier was I think that was the first time this might be an exaggeration but I genuinely don't think it is I think in our 25 years of friendship that's the first time that I can remember seeing you cry yeah it is 100% I've never because it would never it just didn't have it just didn't happen I had never seen that yeah and anyway so I just uh again means the world to me that you're sharing this and and really just offering yourself as an example of this because i there's part of me that wants to be like i don't want to make this like a shameless plug for like my work but like it it's no, going to be it it's going it's going to be that because i think that's the point is that where so many of us are blocked and stuck is that we're not open to receiving a witness. We're not opening to the opportunity to be seen and heard and validated and held in a safe space. And what you're doing is talking about, I think the experience that a lot of people have um, working with me, if they are open to it and show up for it, that is one of one of the most transformative things that happens is exactly what you're talking about. That is you feel a sense of strength and bravery and the inner transformation that happens when you are seen, heard, safe, held. And that's, that's what my program is about. That's what my, all of my work is about. Like, that's what it is, is that's what it's for. And it's accessible. It's a thing that is really here. And that's what, to me, the out of the cave community is about um, in general. So thank you. Thank you. And I just want to say, it's not, it's not a shameless plug because the only thing that was different about what I went through was that you were there. I've had a million panic attacks before. And what's different is that I had you there as a safe unavailable witness to what was happening and that is what made it the incredible transformative moment that it was so plug it girl thanks sis okay thank you on behalf of everyone who listens to this episode for being here and sharing yourself with us it's funny because what i'm used to doing is being like and where can where can we find you? What's your Instagram? What's your website? And it's like, hee hee, JK. <laughs> you're just you're just my bestie girl. And I love you so much. You can find me periodically on Lisa's Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's a wrap. Thanks, Chris. You're the best. I love you so much. And I'm really proud of you. I love you.